This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. Well, I'm excited about preaching to you today. Uh, I, I spend a lot of time with other preachers, and preaching is a big deal to us. You know, there's some people who can preach or can speak, and they're kind of, they can take it or leave it kind of deal, but for those of us who do this on a regular basis, man, this is big time. This is our skill. It's an art. Um, it's an identity for good or bad. And so every Sunday that I get the chance to speak to you guys, I, I want to preach good. But here's what I want to happen today. More than preaching good, this is what I want to happen. I want you to pray more. So more than me just delivering a good sermon, I, I want this to have effective change for you. This is one of the great things I love about pastoral preaching. I haven't preached in a lot of places outside of, of where I pastor. Occasionally I'll do that. I used to do it more in previous years than I do now. But I enjoy speaking in other settings, the challenge of that. But I love speaking to you from a pastoral standpoint because what we're trying to accomplish this morning has an outcome to it. So this is not about you putting in your time and me giving you a sermon. This is about uh, God directing us as a people and therefore directing us as individuals. And so we've talked on prayer and today I'm not really going to preach as much as I'm just gonna talk to you. Now, if something overtakes me and I get preachy, we'll just go with it, right? But uh, more than that, I wanna talk to you just about my prayer life and I hope it provokes thought in you and provokes creativity because my prayer life is certainly not a formula for you to follow at all. In fact, it, what I do may not work for you, but what I do and how I pray may very well provoke thought in you and give you some creative ways to pray. And uh, I'm at a point in my life that I'm busier than ever. This is probably one of the busiest times of my life. And if you're in my age category, or if you've been in my age category, you probably can understand or remember that we're at the height of our career, uh, raising kids. Um, life is just active and busy. I've uh, self-imposed some, you don't feel sorry for me on this because I chose to do this. I'm trying to get another degree. And so that's just like self-inflicted pain uh, that I've done to myself. So life is busier than ever. And that's why I think that I'm really qualified to talk to you about your prayer life because all of us are called to pray. And here's the first thing I, I want to establish. I want us to shake off the psychological barrier that makes us think that prayer is for somebody else. There, there is a lot of insecurity in the area of prayer. I know this because I've lived with you guys and I've talked with you guys and I know a lot of you don't think that you're qualified to pray. You may not think you know the right jargon, the right words to say. You may not have the confidence. And then the problem is this, is that then you hear someone else pray that prays really good. I mean, they, some people who pray really good, their voice kind of changes when they pray and their cadence speeds up. And they're like, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I pray for this food, empower this food to nourish us by your holy word. And God, I just feel this food's gonna be good today, God. I just feel it, you know? And you're like, wow, that's a good prayer. I mean, I've been praying the same thing my parents and grandparents have prayed for years. Listen, we wanna, let's shake off that intimidation today. Because nobody is a good prayer or a bad prayer. Prayer is about you communicating with God. 
Last week, I put something on Twitter, which I know that means every one of you saw it, right? Because if I tweeted something right now, we'd have like 200 phones dinged, right? Because you follow my every word on Twitter. That's a joke, right? But I put a beautiful quote from probably my favorite Christian author. Richard Foster said something. You may have seen this earlier on, on my Facebook or whatever. In the same way, a small child cannot draw a bad picture, so a child of God cannot offer a bad prayer. Isn't that beautiful? Man, if you cannot pray bad, and you really can't pray wrong unless you're praying something unbiblical, but prayer is not tricky, and prayer is not a burden that's too heavy for you to carry. Prayer fits you just right, because all of us are called to pray. So here's the first thing I want to encourage you to. It's real easy. Is I want to encourage you to talk. Would you talk to God? Because here's the truth. If you can talk, then you can pray. A better way to put that is if you can communicate, you can pray. Because obviously there, there are times when people can't make audible noises, you know. And they, they may use sign language or they may pray through writing. I've temporarily lost my voice at two times in my life. And so I have a very small amount of empathy there. But if you can communicate, you can pray. So no more waiting until a certain phase of life or waiting until you get a certain amount of education or waiting until you've gone through a certain amount of classes to say, I'm gonna develop a prayer life. Just start talking to God. Start running your mouth and communicate with God. And when I say talk too, that doesn't mean it has to be out loud even. Because... I'm guessing, I haven't really analyzed this deeply, but probably 60% of my prayers are not said out loud, maybe more. It's just formulating a conversation with God in my head. And that's why I pray, with, I pray throughout the day because I'm in this running mental dialogue with God. And that's what prayer is. There's some great scriptures that are in your outline, but we can look at them on, on the screen together. Psalm 145, verse 18 says it this way. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call out to him with integrity. One of these days we may look deeper at this issue about crying out to the Lord, but crying out to the Lord or calling out to the Lord is not this kind of formal professional prayer. It's something that kind of comes from the gut, from the depth, just like an honest cry to God. I love the liturgical stream we're leaning into a little bit more as a church, which means every week now we're saying a prayer prepared. Most of the time it comes from the Book of Common Prayer and we're leaning into that stream and that's a beautiful expression and God uses that, bringing unity and solidarity and depth to our prayers. But there's some prayers, it's like a cry from the heart. I mean, it just comes from the gut. Just like, Jesus, help me. Jesus, be with me. And this is a prayer that God wants you to know, that he hears. He hears the cry of our heart. Matthew 7, 7, it's a wonderful scripture to know. It's a great scripture you can memorize real quick because 7, 7 is so easy to remember. Keep asking and it will be given to you. Keep searching and you will find. Keep knocking and the door will be open to you. One last scripture along this same vein of thought. Psalm 41 says, I waited patiently for the Lord and he turned to me and heard my cry for help. 
heard my cry. I want to give you a different thought about prayer that you may not have heard before. The more simple the prayer, the better the prayer. The more simple, the better. Now, we learn sometimes certain language through modeling. Like most of my life, for most of the meals I've ever prayed, I've prayed, God, bless this food to the nourishment of my body. I never use that phrase anywhere else in life, but I heard my parents pray that and my grandparents pray that. And so that's been a modeling in my life. That's good and that's okay. So picking up different phrases from other people who pray is not bad and it's not wrong, but if we think we have to learn certain phrases to pray, we're mistaken. We have to pray from the heart, not from a glossary of terms, the prayer book. This is the terms that you use when you pray. Let's develop a special language for prayer. I'm not talking about a prayer language for those of you who understand that. I'm talking about a special vernacular that's complicated. Guys, here's the deal. Let's not overthink this, all right? That's what I'm trying to say. Let's not overthink prayer. Let's simply start communicating with God. Start a conversation with him. Start a conversation so that He'll be glorified. I want to share with you the best prayer that I've prayed in recent months. I was thinking about the best prayer that I've prayed. By the way, I know I'm really tempting fate on this edge here. I kind of stumbled. So I was thinking in between services, what we need is like a bowling lane with uh, like, you remember, you know, when your ball goes near the lane, it goes, eh, you know, that's what I need up here. And eh, just I jump back because I want to get the word to you so I get to the edge, you know, but I'm going to kind of, here. All right, all right, all right, all right, okay. Everybody sighs. Um, before I tell you about the best prayer that, I pray, that I've prayed in recent months, let me tell you a little bit about uh, what Sunday means to our family. And Sunday is everything for our family. When my wife is the worship leader here and I'm the primary communicator here, uh, I mean, Life revolves around Sunday, so we just build up our week till Sunday, and we love it. A, a lot of pastors I'm in a relationship with are very discouraged. You know, we're not discouraged because we get to serve you guys. You guys are a great people to serve, a great people to serve, and so we love Sundays. And you know, our whole family, our three kids, they, there's not an option. Their, their whole lives, I mean, our, our life is about Sundays. It's as if it's like the family business, right? I mean. We love it. And so we come here and we just engage in the whole deal. And then we stay and we lock up the church, which is usually about 1245. And then we go out to lunch because no one's home to cook, right? So we usually go out to lunch and, and we do that deal. So we don't get home till like 2.30 or 3. And at that point, the five of us, we all kind of just find our own space. Like, I think we just had too many conversations for the day and there, there may be a 242 meeting later on that night or something else. So everyone just kind of finds their own space and kind of goes to their own place. And it's at that time, I, I don't want to ruin the image of God's man of faith here, but um, instead of having a button-down shirt and professional shoes and all that, um, I put uh, my fuzzy pants on and house shoes. Like house shoes are of God. I mean, when you have house shoes on, it's like the ultimate relaxation. Uh, and, and I find my place and I began to reflect on the service because, I mean, a lot goes into each Sunday. Reflect on the music, the sermon, the greeting, reflect on conversations that I've had. 
I tell you guys, hey, I don't make appointments on the way out the door because I will forget, but I try to remember, you know, when people say, hey, can we have lunch this week and that kind of stuff and, and try to organize my week, kind of organize my thoughts. And early on in ministry, and this is something that if, if you're a, a preacher or a minister or maybe one of my friends who may be listening to this podcast, you understand that early on in ministry, that Sunday afternoon time, uh, a, a kind of a dark cloud could come over. It just, it just, there, there can just, there's probably a reason for that emotional reason. It can just kind of be a down time. So I've leaned into my time with God in the afternoon. So Sunday afternoons, I'm usually reading something inspirational or spending some time with the Lord, and that has helped me immensely. So this year, just earlier this year, earlier in January, I'm sitting on my couch in my fuzzy pants and my house shoes thinking about this service. And I prayed the best prayer I've ever prayed, or the best prayer I've at least prayed in recent months. I just said, God, what do you think about the service? God, what, what, what do you think about what happened today? And then I know his presence was with me and I just sat there in his presence and thought about what happened that morning. Now, I want you to apply this to your life. Listen, one of the best prayers you could pray is, God, what did you think about my day at work? God, what did you think about my attitude towards that, that waitress who was you know, having a trouble fulfilling her order? God, what did you think about my tone of voice towards my spouse or my kid or my parent? It's a great prayer, isn't it? So we, don't, we, we see this as a relational thing. This is us connecting with God. It's, it's us communicating and talking and yes, here's the next point, because it's something we, we don't emphasize enough, thinking in the presence of God. Some of you pray a lot more than you realize because you have, you have limited prayer to like a time slot. Like I'm gonna pray from 6.45 to 7.05 before I have to wake up the kids. And I'm only praying 20 minutes a day. And you're limiting what God is doing, because most of my prayer is simply thinking about things in the presence of God. So my son Luke sitting there, if I'm thinking about Luke and thinking about how he's developing, thinking about what's going on in his school, and I include God in those thoughts, I'm praying. Now I'll verbalize things, I might, Lord bless Luke today, prosper him, give him favor, help him make good decisions, and then, then I start thinking, about his life. Now, you could call this listening to God. You could call this listening to God. And, and here's the thing about listening to God. I don't know anyone who has actually heard the audible voice of God. Now, I know some people have claimed to, and maybe they have. I'm not here to dispute that. I do know that biblically, when you hear the voice of God and the audible voice of God, there's some really distinct characteristics most of hearing the voice of God comes through our thoughts, in my opinion, and certainly through the scripture. So it would surprise me, for those of you who have heard the voice of God, I, it, I would love to hear more about that. It's just, that's a very complicated subject, but I know this, is that God speaks through our mind and he speaks through our thoughts and he speaks through the scripture. And, and so it is 
hearing the voice of God. And we simply don't take the time to think enough and think about God. The Renaissance took place roughly between the 14th century and the 17th century. And it's when culture shifted out of the dark ages. The dark ages is such a great description for the middle ages. It was a dark time where war ruled and there was a lack of education and it was just a time of many plagues and high mortality. And then things started improving. And from the Renaissance, 14th, 17th century, we have still to this day the greatest of music and the greatest of literature and the greatest of art. Why did that happen? Well, there's dozens and dozens of reasons, but let me just give you simply one reason. Why is it that the greatest literature and art and music and the greatest thinkers and even the greatest theologians came from that era? It's because people had time to think. They were no longer worried about where food came from. They weren't worried about the next plague and disease and they weren't worried about the next army and the industrial revolution had not occurred yet and the information age hadn't occurred so they weren't sitting here like this on their devices and phones all day long. They were actually thinking and out of that thinking came creativity and great thoughts and and I just want you to understand this is that when your prayer life, you've got to give God space to come and speak to your mind. If our mind is always preoccupied, we're, we're preoccupied with technology, we're preoccupied with stress, we're just, just running all the time, we, we don't want silence, we don't have any time to pause, then there's never a space for God, God to speak to us and to listen. Samuel grew up in the house of God, but he had not heard the voice of God. And I love the scripture, we're gonna get in the middle of the story. In First in Samuel chapter three, verse eight and nine, Samuel had heard God's voice three times. And it said, then Eli, who was a priest, perceived that the Lord was calling the young man. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and laid down in his place. I just think some of us need to lay down and kind of take more naps in the presence of God. Can I get an amen to that? I mean, just to close our eyes for a moment and invite God's presence. And we're people who are, are molded by the scripture. So keep that in mind. God's holy scripture is, is what truth is. But within the boundaries of the scripture, to hear his voice and think about the things of God. Do you realize what would happen to our church and our community if all of us just gave more space for God to speak to us. Oh my goodness. We could not imagine. But sometimes God speaks in an unexpected way. Elijah, he, he had the great, one of the greatest spiritual victories on Mount Car- Carmel where, where he, had, he had been in a contest with the prophets of Baal and called down fire from heaven that was in 1 Kings 18. Then 1 Kings 19, he went into depression. Sometimes after a victory, we're very vulnerable. And the Lord came and ministered to him, sent his angels to minister to him. And within that story, we're gonna see how Elijah heard the voice of God, 1 Kings 19, verse 11. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain in the Lord's presence. At that moment, the Lord passed by. 
A great and mighty wind was tearing at the mountains and was shattering cliffs before the Lord. That sounds pretty amazing, doesn't it? That sounds like something Hollywood couldn't even make special effects for. That would be crazy. Like this wind comes and cliffs start falling. Surely that's God, right? Well, it says there, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. Earthquake will get people's attention, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a voice, a soft whisper. And that's when the word of the Lord came. I just want to encourage you as you develop this prayer life, don't overthink it. Just start presenting yourself to God. Think about him more often. Think about him more frequently. And and let the spaces that you're already in, when you drive your car, when you vacuum the carpet, uh, when you're exercising and going for walks, think about him. Most of my prayer life is, I like to call it a kinetic prayer life. Prayer life on the move. Prayer life in motion. Our Thursday prayer team, they sit in a circle and pray. I can't even do that. I get up and walk around because uh, I, I, they probably are paranoid. I'm like walking behind them, pacing behind them. But because I need right now some motion in my life. So exercise, chores, mowing, uh, whatever the case is, uh, those are times to think of God. And, and he'll, he'll speak. There, there's... There's biblical precedent for that. There's historical precedent in that Brother Lawrence, who was a cook in the monastery in Gaul, and he wrote a book called Practicing the Presence of God because all day long as he cooked and he cleaned, he stayed with God all day long. We can do the same. We can think about the Lord and think about him more often, and we'll find that when we think about him, we are praying. Here's the last thing that I want to say is list. I want, I want to encourage you guys to make some lists because one of the fallacies that I used to believe is I don't have anything to pray about, you know? What, what can I pray? Pray for my family, pray for the country. What else should I pray about? Then I started making lists and there's no way I can get to everything I need to pray about in one day. And that's not a discouragement either. Don't be discouraged by that. I, I, I want this to encourage you. Now, let me take a step back and I want to talk about, remember I talked about the Renaissance, how people had time to think and so good things happened? That's one side of the coin. Here's the other side of the coin. And, and frankly, and I want to say this with deep respect, I really do, but, but it is a challenge for sometimes retirees or empty nesters. One of the problems that they have is they have too much time to think and so they worry. I, I had the best grandparents possible. I mean, they, I mean, they were just your quintessential grandparents, exactly what you would want grandparents. And these, bless their hearts, they would worry about stuff. I could not even imagine how they could come up with different things to worry about. They would call and say, you know, the weather says it could ice. There's a 30% chance of icing in five days. Don't go anywhere. Stay at home. And they just worried, worried, worried. And, and I say this with respect because it was a, an expression of love. But I just want to challenge us that, When we have disposable time, sometimes we can worry too much. I mean, we can think and be creators or we can create anxiety and worry. So here's what I want you to do. And this is seriously an assignment I'm gonna give you. If we had time, I was gonna take time during service to actually do this, but I've been preaching too long. That's why I tried it out in the first service and it didn't work out. But here's what I want you to do. Listen, 
Take a piece of paper sometime or take your phone or your, your iPad and write down the stuff you're worried about. Write down the stuff you're worried about. Are, are you worried that your child's not gonna pick a good spouse? That's something. Are you worried you've been watching Fox News all day and you think ISIS and, and Al-Qaeda is gonna start a cell? That, that, that's a legitimate stuff to worry about. I mean, it really is. Are, are you worried about your personal finances? Are, are, are you worried about this church? Worried about this punk preacher who's cocky up there and thinking he knows everything and his pride? All right. Write down everything you're worried about and then your worry list becomes your prayer list. I'm serious about this. The things you're worried about are the things God wants you to pray about. Look at the biblical evidence of this. Philippians 4 verse six says this. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. God wants to know the stuff you're worried about. And then what happens? The peace of God, which surpasses every thought. The peace of God is bigger than anxiety, irrational thoughts, paranoia. These are things that we battle with when we have time on our hands. They are things. The peace of God surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Put it back in verse six. You need to see this again. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition, let your request be made known to God. So I started this even before the digital revolution. I started making these prayer lists, okay? And so I wanna get real practical with you. And I started making prayer lists and I used to carry around like a manila folder and it was like a special color so I wouldn't confuse it with something else. And I remember I'd carry this thing around with me, carry it in my car, and if I was stuck in traffic, I'd pray through that list. I used to actually take it with me to the grocery store because people thought it was a grocery list, but it was actually a prayer list. Now I've moved that list to... The uh, iPad and the iPhone, which I do have a cracked iPhone, so um, iPad, so it shatters a lot quicker than paper, you know, uh, when you drop it. But here, here's the point is start working these lists and start praying for things according to Philippians 4, 6. I mentioned to you that I'm in the busiest time of my life. Some of it is because of my age. Some of it's because of some choices I've made. So here's, here's what I do, seriously. I come up with 10 things to pray about every day. Because I know on my busiest day, I mean, a day that is so busy and that, I mean, I'm not gonna get to all my minimal things I need to do, but I'm gonna pray about 10 things. So a couple of them, first couple are kind of character issues, such as, this is not, those are personal, but um, let's say it's a, a, a temper issue. I'm praying about my temper, praying that God would help me. So I pray about my character issues. Then I pray for my family. So there's, you know, that takes up, five or six or seven kind of in there. And then I pray for two or three things that the Spirit's put on my heart. And what happens is you create a momentum of prayer because you begin to pray about the same thing in subsequent days. Uh, Especially you begin to pray about things. And here's a great thing. Uh, Some of those character issues in my life, they're not on my top 10 prayer list anymore. (laughs) To God be the glory. Because if I'm praying to have more humility 30 days in a row, how many know God answers that prayer? And then maybe that's not the challenge in my life anymore. Maybe it's something else I need to work on. Pray, praying for a certain issue in our, in our life and God helps answer those prayers. So your top 10 prayer list. So today, what I want you to do, listen, make you a list of 10 things to pray for. Pray for. Maybe your worry list and maybe something else and just start seeing what God does when you 
um, engage in that prayer list every day. And it doesn't even mean you have to have dedicated time for it. It could be on your go. Now, just quite practically, and, and this is, it took some, a while for this to happen, I'm mentally engaged in my prayer list almost instantly when I wake up. It took some time to get there. But I'm almost like right away, the first thing on my list I'm already praying on. And usually by the time I'm ready for work or whatever I planned that day, I'm set, I, I may be done with the 10 things. Then I'm like, oh, cool, I don't have to pray the rest of the day. Awesome. No, I'm just joking. But, but I know this is that I'm building some discipline in my life. Then beyond that, a second list I go to real quick after that is specific needs. So if Roger or Zoe, I'm having a conversation with them, and one of them say, hey, Aaron, will you pray for my, you know, my mother, or will you pray for my aunt, or will you pray for what's the situation? It's easy to go, yeah, Roger, got you, man. Cool. And then forget, right? So I try to write that down on my phone real quick. If I'm going to commit to pray for it. If I'm not going to commit to pray for it, I may pray for it right then. I might say, I'm going to pray for that, but I don't have the capacity to pray for that right now, but I'm gonna pray for it right now. But I write those things, and that second list, I expect God to answer those because we're praying in faith. And then all the other things we need to pray for, like extended family that I love, you know, cousins and aunts and uncles, um, I'll pray for a different one each day of the week, which means most of them get prayer prayed for like once or twice a month because I don't always get to those lists. You understand? May, may pray for a different church every day of the week. Churches that I used to serve at, churches in the city that I'm connected with. World missions, I pray for a different part of the world, different days of the week. Because I can't get to it all the time. And so it works out that way. As a family, we're trying to, um, we have family devotions once a week. Some of you are smoking us, man. You're doing it every day. You make me sick, but congratulations. Okay. We're trying to have family devotions, like family prayer, like once a week, which means we get to it about three times a month because there are those weeks. A holiday happens, a kid gets sick, we're pastors, you guys have an emergency, so we're not there. You know, that stuff happens. So, so let's say three times a month, guess what? That's 36 times in a year. How many know that if a family prays together 36 times in a year, that's pretty good. God can work through that. God can do something through that. So it is that I want to give you one word to describe what it's like to pray with your family. I want you to hear this word, awkward. Okay? It is really weird to pray with your family at first. You know why? And, I, and I've actually talked to people who are really seasoned in prayer about this, and they, they've had the same experience. Because your family, know, they know how stinky your attitude is when you don't want to do the dishes. And your family knows your weaknesses and your spouse knows your weaknesses. So here's the truth. It is awkward to pray with your family at first. And then over time, it gets easier. So I want to encourage you in that. If you guys make a commitment to try to have a monthly prayer time, like a monthly devotion, I'm talking a 10-minute prayer. I mean, not a long prayer. And it's not like, whoa, Aaron was right. That was awesome. God's power's in our home. No, it's gonna be awkward and a little weird. But then it gets better, okay? So those are some things that I want you to think about. JP and Dana, you can come on up. They're gonna minister to us in song today. I wanna invite our ushers to begin to prepare to take communion. Take com- they're, they're, they're gonna pass out communion in a few minutes. Here's something the Lord spoke to us in the first service. And these guys were, had prepared a song 
uh, that they'd worked with Beth on, and I had not heard the song. And then I felt like the Lord gave me a message for the church, and this song that you're going to hear in a few minutes went with it. And here was the message that you'll hear now, and you'll hear from them, is that prayer is not a burden on you that's too heavy. If you have been burdened, even by a religious leader, because you have not met expectations in prayer, that's a heavy burden that is not the burden Jesus has because Jesus said in the scripture that his yoke is easy and his burden is light, which means that when Jesus puts something on you, it fits just right and it improves your life. Some of us have been under a heavy burden where prayer has not seemed like an opportunity. It has not seemed like anything enjoyable. It has not seemed like anything good. It's just been connected with guilt and we haven't measured up and we're like, I don't wanna hear about prayer because I'm not good at it. We have a mental block in our head. We think prayer is for other people, not for us. Jesus wants you to know today that prayer is gonna make your life better and it's an easy yoke for you to carry. It's an easy yoke for you to carry. If that doesn't make sense, Uh, because it's talking about first century farming terms. It's saying this, that it fits well on you and it improves your life, okay? Sometimes burdens get on us and it makes us more sluggish and it slows us down and we're less productive. And some of us seem like, man, that's what prayer seems. It's just a waste of time. It just is stopping my mental momentum. It's keeping me from doing what I'm supposed to do. No, that's not what God says. Prayer has a... It has a multiplying effect on your life. It's gonna make everything better. If you don't think you have time to pray because of your job, I promise you, if you make prayer a priority, your job will improve. It will improve. If you don't wanna take time to to pray with your kids or pray with your grandkids or pray with your nieces and nephews because it just ah, feels like a waste of time and awkward, it'll make your time with them richer and better and more effective. So God's gonna help us with that, okay? Let's pray together right now. Here in a moment, we're gonna take communion and you don't have to take communion. You can let the bread and cup pass, but we're all gonna confess our sins to the Lord beforehand. And we're going to ask God uh, to remove any sin from our life. Jesus has already paid the price for the sin you've committed. And communion is one of the ways we acknowledge that, that we're trusting Jesus fully and completely We're not trusting our effort, our self-will. We're not trusting our ability to improve ourselves. We're trusting that Jesus was a substitute on the cross for our sins. And we believe that, and we know this, it's more than believing, we know that he was resurrected on the third day with power over sin and death and Hades, that he will return to be the righteous king and to rule and reign with perfection. So that's what communion's about. So I want you to reflect, think about your life. I'll come pray with you in just a few minutes. Father, now we commit this time to you. Minister to us by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast of The Church of Indian Lake.